Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your family are doing well and are blessed. And we are actually on the subject of uh, our identity and, identity and our authority in Christ. And yesterday we talked about the virgin birth of Jesus and how that is crucial to everything you know that, that we are talking about. And uh, so now we talked about that, about uh, the... Uh, the conception of Mary and the virgin birth. And now we are going to go further on. And I'm, I'm reading to you from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 32. And this is after the Lord Jesus had been born. It says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision, uh, circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, uh, which means he shall save his people, the one who saves his people from the sins, which was so named of the angel because he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And uh, for as it is written in the law of the Lord, in verse 23, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So in the law of Moses, it said that every male offspring, the first male child of any couple, the first male child shall be called holy to the Lord. And then it says, verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Let's, let me pause here a while and say something to you about these two young pigeons. The interesting thing is that the Bible actually stipulates that when um, a male, the firstborn male child is born to the temple, is brought to the temple for a blessing, for dedication, the parents shall offer a sacrifice of a lamb and but there's a there's a caveat there but if the couple if the parents are too poor to afford a lamb it is acceptable if they uh, sacrifice if they present for sacrifice two pigeons or two doves and it is striking to note that Joseph and Mary were so poor that when the king of heaven, when the son of God was born into their home, all they could afford to give or to buy was, to, was the poor man's offering of two pigeons or two, or two doves because they were poor. And then it says, verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now, this is interesting because in the Old Covenant, the Holy Ghost only came upon prophets, priests, and kings. But there were some uh, who were, uh, others who were baptized, actually filled with the Holy Spirit. And Simeon had to be, uh, was one of them. So <coughs> he was one of the few people who was filled with the Holy Spirit, who was not a prophet, priest, nor a king. And Simeon happened to be one of them, one of those exceptions. And it says, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. That means the Holy Ghost who was with him revealed to him that he would not see death because he had, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So Simeon was an old man. He had lived his life. He wanted to die and go home to be with the Lord. But the Holy Spirit had said to him, no, Simeon, you're not going to die until you with your own eyes see Jesus. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. So the Holy Spirit one day told Simeon, Simeon, this is the time, go to the temple. And so the Holy Spirit led Simeon. So Simeon, upon the leading of the Holy Spirit, he went to the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he then he took him up in his arms and blessed God. This is amazing because here's all these people coming into the temple because the temple was a usually a very busy place. And so here are all these parents bringing their newborn children and Simon is standing there watching him because the Holy Spirit watching the people because the Holy Spirit has had led him to the temple. And the Holy Spirit just says to Simeon, Simeon, you see that couple, that's it. And Simeon walks up to them and he asked them if they could hold the baby. And they see he's a godly man and they hand the baby to him and he took the baby in his arms. Can you imagine? Oh my, I get the goosebumps just thinking of it that this old man actually held Jesus in his arms. And then he blessed God. And this is what he said. He said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. He said, Lord, now I can go home. Now I can die in peace because you have said that I will not die before I see the Lord's Christ. For he says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This is amazing because when Simeon held the baby in his hands, and this old man, when he held that baby in his hands, he realized that what he was holding in his hands, this baby that held that he held in his hands was the salvation of all mankind. Greater than this temple, greater than Solomon who built this temple, greater than Moses, greater than Abraham, greater than anybody who has ever walked upon this earth was this baby because this baby was not just the creator of the heavens and the earth, but not only was he just the savior, but he was salvation itself. Can you imagine how that old man must have felt? Man, sometimes I wish I was a, I was a little mouse in the building somewhere or a fly on the wall so I could watch that scene, watch the face of the old man as he held this little baby in his arms and said, for mine eyes, O Lord, have seen thy salvation. Jesus, my friends, is salvation. He's not only the savior, he is salvation. He's not only the healer, he is the healing. He is, he is not just the restorer, he is restoration himself. He is not the deliverer only, but he is deliverance. He is not just the giver of life, but he is the life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus, my friends, is everything who I need. Not only does he anoint me, but he is my anointing. He is my life. He is my salvation. Jesus is all in all. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means all that the Father is, all that the Son is, all that the Holy Ghost is, the fullness of the Trinity, Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost are found in that one person, Jesus. And he says, and in him, you and I are complete. I am complete in Christ Jesus. And when I'm in Christ, I'm saved, I'm healed, I'm free. I have everything I need. I could not ever need anything because I am in Christ. Hallelujah. And Simeon was blessed that day. 
to hold that baby and he had this revelation that what he was holding was not just the savior but he was holding salvation itself he said for my eyes these physical eyes of mine that are old and are about to and i'm about to die and my life is over but before i die my eyes have seen thy salvation which you have prepared before the face of all people and then he says a light to lighten the gentiles and the glory of thy people israel because you know this is also astounding he says this salvation that i'm holding in my hand he is he is going to bring glory to israel plus he's going to bring light to the gentiles because at that time you know i mean there were you had the jews and the gentiles and there was no hope for the gentiles it was all about the people of israel and nobody ever talked about that the gentiles would receive the light there was, there was no such talk but simeon because he was a man of the holy ghost he was a he was a holy ghost man he knew that this child is going to bring light to the gentiles and that through him uh, also the gentiles those who are far from god will be brought near through his blood and they shall be engrafted into the vine so it will be one vine with jews and gentiles or intertwined and growing together and one in christ and then that distinction between jew and greek and gentile would not be there anymore but they shall all be one creation in christ jesus and so he so simeon had that revelation by the holy spirit hallelujah Praise God and if we have the holy spirit we will have the revelation of one people a new a new creation in Christ Jesus so Jesus was now walking on the earth so finally we see there is a man walking on the earth according to God's original plan hallelujah a man who is in God's image in God's likeness because Jesus said if you have seen me you have seen the father if you looked at Jesus you saw the father so here's the second adam a man in God's image but he was a man had a human body but he was walking on this earth he he was a human body but his life came from God he was the son of God he was God himself and he is a man in the image and the likeness of God with dominion and he is walking on this earth according to God's original plan now now i want you to I want to draw your attention to something. When Jesus walked on the earth and the Bible says he came to this world but the world did not know him. That's what John said in John chapter the first chapter. He came to his own but his own did not know him. They didn't recognize him. But didn't anybody recognize him? There was somebody who did recognize who he was and that was Satan because Satan as Lucifer when he was used to lead the worship before the throne of God he was an archangel he used to worship Jesus i mean he knew Jesus from before the beginning of time he knew the father he knew the son he knew the holy spirit Jesus knew uh, satan knew Jesus he knew exactly who he was he knew exactly and now i'm thinking i'm i like to think this with now satan is wondering okay i've seen him Uh, at the right hand of the father but what is he doing here he is walking on this earth in human flesh why is he here what is he here for 
Satan knew exactly who Jesus was because you remember at one place uh, when he came to the Gadarenes and, uh, uh, and, and Jesus came out of the boat and the demon possessed man who had a legion of demons came running. He says, Jesus, I know who you are. He knew who he was. Nobody else knew, but he knew. He said, I know who you are. You are the son of God. Have you come to destroy us before our time? So the devils, the Bible says the devils know who Jesus is and they tremble. So Satan saw Jesus and then he set about to tempt him. Uh, just like he tempted Adam, he wanted to do the same thing to Jesus as he did, as he did to Adam to cause him to stumble and to fall. Uh, that, was, that was his goal. So uh, he, or he, or he tempted him to no end. And we can start looking at some of the temptation in Luke 4. We can read from verse 1 to 13. This is after Jesus was baptized and the Holy Ghost came on him. He says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So the Holy Spirit took him to the wilderness. And then it says here, being 40 days tempted of the devil. This is interesting because I always used to believe that, well, Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days. And at the end of the 40 days, the devil came and tempted him thrice. But here it doesn't say so. It seemed to me that the devil was tempting him from day one. That's what it says. 40 days he was being tempted by the devil. But the last three ones were more remarkable. And that's we're going to look at that. That's why the Bible kind of brings those three temptations up individually. But for 40 days, it says in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were end ended, he afterward hungered. So Jesus was fasting. And he was praying and seeking God and he ate nothing for 40 days. And in those 40 days, the devil was busy tempting him. Then, um, then the devil said to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command this stone that it shall be made bread. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, this is <coughs> this is striking because. Jesus said to the devil, if you are the son of God, command this stone to be made bread. I mean, he knew that Jesus could do it. I mean, he made, he, you know, he, he knew who Jesus was. Jesus could easily speak a word and command uh, that uh, bread to turn into a loaf of bread. But he appealed to the physical because Jesus had received his body from Mary and he, in his body, he was an ordinary human being. He was hungry like any other human being could be hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days, so he was hungry. So the devil saw that and used that opportunity to tempt him. So he tempted him in the area of food. And if you remember, uh, she, he, uh, the serpent tempted Adam. Uh, I mean, Eve in the same area, it had to do with food. So he did the same thing to Jesus, tempted him in the area of food. And he said, now, Jesus, you are hungry. And if you are the son of God, why don't you command this stone to be turned into a loaf of bread? And Jesus answered him saying, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So Jesus answered him with a scripture. It is written. Now, you must understand that Jesus, from the time he was small, uh, before he was baptized in the river Jordan, when he lived in obscurity with his mother and, you know, worked as a carpenter, as a young man. And before that, as a kid, Jesus, he, 
he studied the word of God. He used to sit at the temple and he studied the word of God. So first thing I want to say, if Jesus being the word of God himself needed to study the word of God and grow in knowledge and in wisdom, how much more don't you and I need to study the word of God and grow in knowledge and wisdom if he who is the word of God himself needed to study the word of God. So Jesus, he knew the word of God because he had studied the word of God. The second thing I want to bring is that if Jesus needed to speak the word of God to go against Satan, to thwart Satan's attack of temptation against him, how much more don't you and I need to be able to speak the word of God to thwart or to speak up against any demonic attack against you and me. When the devil comes to us and attacks us and speak to us, isn't it important that we also open our mouths and speak the word of God and we are able to tell the, tell the devil it is written because Jesus did so. So then comes the second temptation. Then the devil, it said, taking up taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So the devil took him to a high place and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said, all this power I give thee and the glory of them for that is delivered unto me and to whomever I will, I will give it. Now, this is also interesting. So he says, Jesus, you see these kingdoms. These are the kingdoms of the world and I will give you them. I'll give them to you uh, and the glory of them for that is delivered to me. That means that because they have been given to me, they are mine. So Satan knew that the kingdoms of this world were actually his to give to Jesus. But who gave them to Satan? Well, Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve were the ones who had dominion over everything, but they sold out and gave it to the devil. And the devil knew very well that they were his. So he said to Jesus, he said, you know, Jesus, you see this temp these kingdoms of the world. You know what? I will give them to you and I will give you all the glory of this kingdom because they are actually mine. I took them from Adam and I can give them to whoever I want to. And he was right in that. So, but here's the thing. If you worship me, all shall be thine. So, because... Now I'm thinking this, that maybe the devil was thinking, maybe that is why he is on this earth to take all this away from me. He wants to snatch this away from me because there is a later on in scripture we will read and it says that if a man comes, uh, you know, to, to come uh, to take something from a strong man, he first must bind the a strong man before he can plunder his goods. So the devil probably knew that uh, that's why Jesus is here to take away that which is mine. So he wanted to preempt that before Jesus did anything uh, which in his eyes was unpleasant. He said, okay, Jesus, you know what? If you've come here for all this, you know, they're given to me. I will give them to you. Okay. Uh, no hard feelings. You can have everything that I took from Adam just on one condition that you worship me. You know, you worship me, you have the mind. And Jesus answered and said unto them, said unto him, get behind me, Satan. For it is written once again, Jesus answered by the word. Jesus spoke the word and he said, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Okay, then 
Verse 9, now comes the third temptation. Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, the high part of the temple, and said to him, look, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Just jump. Because it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. He says, listen, Jesus, why don't you just jump down and show who you are? Because, you know, God has said his word. He shall, uh, uh, you, you jump from here. He shall give his angels charge over you. And, um, and, and he will keep you. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Now, the remarkable one about this third temptation is that in the first two temptations, you know, Satan said to Jesus, okay, if you're, you're hungry, so turn this stone into bread. The second temptation, he said, you know what, these kingdoms are mine and I took them from Adam. I can give them to you if you worship me. But in the third temptation, because Jesus so far has been thwarting Satan by using the word, Satan actually quotes scripture. Satan quotes the scripture. Now, I want you to understand Satan knows the Bible better than you and I do, okay? Satan can quote scripture. The devil can also quote scripture, believe me. That's what he does here. And he quotes scripture, throwing scriptures in the face of Jesus. Can you imagine that? Jesus, who is the living word of God, Jesus who knows the scriptures, Satan has the audacity to quote scriptures to Jesus Christ. And... Uh, and, and that's why, you know, every revelation that comes from God uh, to us, uh, we must know whether it is really of God or not. Anytime we feel something, we got this and even we got the scripture, it must be tested because even the devil can quote scripture. I don't want to scare you, but listen, uh, the devil can use scriptures to twist. He can actually use scriptures in out of context that's what i mean that he can use the he can use the right scriptures and even in the king james and you think oh this is god because it came in the doubts to me you know but the thing is that it was in the wrong context it was that you know the devil was behind it so the devil knows the scripture but you have got to know the scripture so well so even if scripture is thrown at you you've got to learn how to interpret scripture, how the scripture should be interpreted in the light of other scriptures. So if you, if you say, well, I have this word, you must first see, are there other scriptures that contradict what you're saying? If they do, then this is not of God or you're misinterpreting the scripture. A scripture correctly interpreted will always be uh, in line with other scriptures. So anyway, that's, um, I, I don't want to go into that now. But my whole point is that the devil knows the Bible. So, and he has the audacity to come to Jesus quoting scripture. And he says, if you're the son of God, cast the And he's, he said the same thing that Jesus said. Remember, Jesus said, it is written. So Satan says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear, bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So Jesus also answered with the scripture. He said, You are not going to tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him from a, for a season. That means he departed from him for a time and that he would come back later. So the devil left in order to come back later for a more, uh, for a more feasible uh, 
time he would come back to him. Okay, so <coughs> so uh, now um, this is interesting, and then we see uh, later on how the devil kept on tempting Jesus throughout his time on this earth. It says in Hebrews verse chapter four verse fourteen, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So this is uh, the apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews. He, he he talks about Jesus. He said, listen, like we are tempted, Jesus was tempted, not only as tempted as much as us, uh, but more than us. And he was tempted like as we, it says he was tempted in all points. Now, this is important to notice that, listen, I am tempted, okay? Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, how mature you are. As long as you're on this earth, you walk on your two legs, you will always be tempted. Now, but here's the thing. I am tempted in certain areas. In other areas, I'm not tempted. And you are tempted in some areas and you'll never be tempted in the areas where I am tempted. We are always tempted in our weakest points. That which is our weak point, that's the point the devil attacks us. So, uh, but the thing about Jesus was that he was not just tempted in a few areas. He was tempted in every way, in every way. That is why he can identify with us. That is why I tell people, listen, if you're ever tempted or even if you sin, don't run away from Jesus, but run to Jesus because he is the only one who can understand you and commiserate you and help you and lift you up because he has been tempted in every way. The only difference is that we have fallen, but he has never fallen. That's why whenever the Bible says, if we stumble, even if we stumble seven times, the Lord will lift us up. Doesn't matter how often you stumble, the Lord will lift you up. It's not the end of the day, but Jesus understands because he was tempted in every way. So his whole life, his, his three and a half years of ministry on this earth. I mean, one of the things was that it was a battle for him because the devil was tempted. He was tempting him again and again and again and again, again, because he wanted the same, to do the same thing to Jesus as he, as he had done to Adam. And Hebrews 5, 7 says, talks about Jesus, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and he was heard in that he feared. And it says how Jesus, there were times, of course, he would speak the word, he would rebuke the devil, but at other times, Jesus, he cried with loud cries and with tears, he cried out unto the father who, would, who could save him from death. And he was heard because he walked in the fear and the reverence of God. Beloved, if you feel that you are going to be overwhelmed, you know what you do? You just cry out unto God. And you know, the Bible says, if we walk in the fear of God, if we walk in the reverence of God, no matter what come against you, my friend, God will always hear you and he will deliver you. So that is how Jesus came and walked on this earth and how he was tempted by the devil. And so we are going to continue with the rest tomorrow. God bless you. And let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you, Father, you continue to have your hand upon them and you bless them, use them for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you and may 
you grow in God's grace and understanding of his word and in holiness and purity and in faith. And may he use you for his glory and his kingdom. God bless you. Bye.